We're going to look together this morning at words found in 1 John chapter 3 and beginning at verse 16. We, we often remember John 3.16, that is the gospel, but 1 John 3.16 is also a very important verse. It, it says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. In this first letter, John is dealing with what it means to really be a Christian. Uh, time was going on and there were people who were amongst uh, the believers who were either saying or doing wrong things. And John wants to help the Christians to discern who is really a Christian. Uh, and the first thing he says is that true Christians acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is God in the flesh, the God-man. And those who deny that, he says, are not believers. And then he also says that true Christians live a righteous life. They seek to live according to God's word. And then thirdly, he says that those who are true, true Christians love one another. And so he, he says earlier in this chapter, anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. And these verses that we're looking at this morning have got to do with loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's one of the evidences of a, a new life in the Lord Jesus. And John uses two totally contrasting examples. He talks about Cain. Cain, early in the book of Genesis, the son of Adam and Eve, who killed his brother, Abel. And uh, John says, why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And so he says that Cain is an example of the opposite of loving one another. He was moved by hatred. And uh, his actions were characteristic of unbelieving people. It originates with the devil who hates God and hates all people made in God's image. That hatred led him to kill his brother Abel. And it was a sign of spiritual death. And then having spoken about Cain, he then goes on to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and he says that Jesus laid down his life for us. Here's a positive example. A love that begins in God. Uh, a love that is seen in the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, a, life, a love that is to characterize believing people. The church of believers. It's shown in self-sacrifice. And it's evidence of eternal life. You know, whether it's the first century or the 21st century, Christians loving one another is a really important part of our witness to the world around us. It's not just what we say, but what we do and what we are that makes a difference. We've lived through this strange time when we've been told to stay at home and to save lives. And people haven't seen much of other people what we've been asked to do is out of concern for them, out of love for them. 
but there's been a loss of community, a certain disintegration of society. And Christians are God's new humanity. They're the opposite of Cain. They're the opposite of the way of sin and rebellion against God. And therefore, the new life that Christians have, which shows itself in love, not just in orthodox beliefs about the Lord Jesus Christ, not just in living a righteous life, but in a warm and real love for one another, is such a vital part of our witness to the gospel. People today don't always start with saying, what do you believe? But they want to know what difference our faith in Jesus makes to our lives. Does it make us different people? In a world which is often taken up with our own concerns, I look after me and myself and mine. To what extent do we love one another and love others around us? And so the first question I want to say is this, what is love? You hear a lot about love in the world, but what is it? Well, John tells us this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's love, he said. That's what true love is all about. And it's interesting, in the, in the Greek, in the original, this is how he puts it. That one, on our behalf, his life laid down. Jesus, for us, his life laid down. That's what love is. It can be known. There's no uncertainty. There's no doubt about it. It's not a vague emotion. It's not a, an idea in our minds. But it's something that is real, something that has been clearly demonstrated. And when you think about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ loved us, it's amazing that he expressed that love by dying on the cross for us. And that the love with which he loves us is an everlasting love for which nothing will ever be able to separate us. And John says that's what love is all about. It's good to think about it, to be amazed at it. Last Sunday we were able to remember the Lord's death as we ate bread and drank wine. And it's good to think about the death of Jesus and his amazing love for us. But also to experience that love, to realize that he loved me, as Paul says, and he died for me. He loved you and he died for you, that one. On our behalf, his life laid down. In other words, Calvary reveals the love of God in Jesus Christ. He, he laid aside his life, uh, like you might take off a coat and, and put it down. His life he laid down. It's a phrase that John uses a lot in his gospel. He talks about the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus himself said, I lay down my life. I, no one takes it from me. It isn't something that's compelled and forced on me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And then the last night he was with the disciples, he said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So the greatest sin which Cain committed was to take life, to kill. And the greatest expression of love 
is to give our lives, to lay down our lives. And that is what Jesus did. One man says, love is the giving impulse. We want to give to others. We want to enrich others. We want to bless others. And right at the heart of love, John is telling us, is self-sacrifice. Saying no to self and offering our lives to God. And when you think that this love was shown to us, it's amazing. What he did was in our place. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, shed for you. In Romans chapter 5, Paul says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's what we are. We're ungodly. That's who he died for. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He didn't come for the good people. He came for the bad people. And we were powerless. And Paul says it's a very rare thing for someone to lay down their lives uh, for righteous people, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that an important thing? While we were still, not, not when we changed our lives, not when we made ourselves better, but while we were still sinners, he died. And later he says, for it was when we were God's enemies that we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Enemies, ungodly. And that one, on our behalf, his life laid down. Amazing love. We know what love is. People say, what's love? Well, that's what it is. It's all about Jesus, who he is and what he did and that he did it for us. And then John goes on to apply it and he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What is love? Well, it's seen in Jesus. How much should we love one another? Well, he says in the same way that Jesus loved us. His self-sacrifice is not just a revelation for us to say, well, isn't that wonderful? But it's an example for us to copy. And uh, exactly the same order comes. And we, on behalf of others, ought our lives to lay down. The, the pattern is exactly the same. And, and, you know, Christians do feel an obligation to love. It's a natural response to the love of God for us. Uh, he makes us willing. He makes us feel a sense of desire to do what is right. One man calls it the quality of love that is always demanded of the Christian. It's that which has authenticated true Christian experience throughout the whole of history. Earlier on uh, in this letter, uh, John says, whoever claims to live in him must walk, that is, must live as Jesus did. And in chapter 4 he says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's what we feel. If God did that for us, if Jesus did that for us, if he saved me, if he gave his life for me, what am I to do? Well, we're to love him, yes, 
but we also to love one another. That's why he's saying that those who don't love don't know God. He says in verse 14 of chapter 3, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. It's not just the question of saying my doctrine's correct and, and my life is, is more conformed to uh, the teaching of God's word. But I really love my fellow Christians. I want to be an imitator of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote to the Philippians, and when he was urging them to be mindful of each other and to care for each other, to respect for each other, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being born being made in human likeness and in being found in appearance as a man. You're, you should be like Jesus. He, he didn't think about himself. He laid aside his glory and then he laid down his life for us. And again, Peter in his first letter has the same message, the example of Jesus. To this you were called, he says, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And so he, he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Perhaps you went out when the snow fell a few weeks ago now. Perhaps you went out with young children. and You know, you can see your footsteps, can't you, in the snow? And uh, a father's footsteps will be quite wide. And perhaps there's a child following. Because the snow's deep, the child's trying to get some help from the, the footsteps of the dad. But, but the dad's steps are too wide apart. It, it's hard to follow exactly those steps. Do you feel it's a bit like that with Jesus, isn't it? His, his, his life is so remarkable, uh, so amazing that we're to follow in his steps. We want to walk as Jesus did. We want to live as he did. One man says we should follow his steps, though at a distance. He does not exhort equality with Christ, which would drive us to despair. Our love is approved when we transfer the love of ourselves to our brethren, so that everyone, in a sense, forgetting himself, should seek the good of others, not thinking of me, forgetting me, and thinking of them. And you say, well, how much should we love? Is that really to the point of, of laying down our lives? That's what John is saying, isn't it? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's something unusual. It's something extraordinary in human life. It does happen. Uh, we've seen already Paul saying, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. He, he's saying it's not common, but it does happen. Does John really mean that? Or is he exaggerating? Would, he give up, would we give our lives for our Lord? And we would say yes. If being faithful to the Lord meant losing my life, I, I'd be ready to do that. But if it meant losing your life for your fellow Christians, would you do that? But John sees love for the Lord and love for one another as going together. 
And love is constantly needed in daily life. Not many Christians died, even in the first century, during times of persecution. Um, but ready to give everything, really, for the benefit of our fellow Christians. You know, we often talk, don't we, about loving one another, but, but John takes us into a, a new dimension. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And he, he says there are two things that put us in debt to our fellow Christians so that we owe them something. It's having and seeing. He goes on, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. We have. We have the means of life. God has been generous to us. He's blessed us with many good things. We have enough and to spare. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Has God blessed you? He's given you enough and to spare. Uh, later on in that same chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So how do we use the things that God has given to us, we have certain things. And, and he says, if anyone has material aggressions and sees, sees his brother or his sister in need, it's being aware of the needs of others. You know, we see needs, don't we? Sometimes we're walking, when we're allowed to, <laughs> through town. And you see somebody sitting on the floor and they're homeless. And you know, sometimes it's convenient not to see, is it? And we walk past but, but John says here to, to see in, in such a sense that we understand the need. We, we really grasp that this fellow Christian has got a need or another person has a need. It's more than a glance. But it's seeing long enough to appreciate and understand the circumstances of the case and the situation. What are we going to do? Well, we have two choices, don't we? We either open our heart or we close our heart. And the ESV translation is better than the, the NIV translation. The NIV says, has no pity on him. But literally what it says is that we shut our heart uh, to him. We, we, we refuse to give. We have, we see, and yet we're not compassionate. We're not caring. We don't think to ourselves, how would I feel if I was in that situation? What would I want someone to do for me? And then to, to do that for the person, using that which God has given us to meet their needs. And he says, if we, we see a fellow Christian in need and we don't meet that need, how can the love of God be in us? He's not just saying we didn't do what we ought to do, but he's saying we're not responding as Christians respond. It's very challenging. 
And he says, you know, love is more than words. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And uh, James, in his letter, says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Actions speak louder than words. And, you know, we can be guilty, can't we, of saying things, but not doing anything. And uh, love must find expression. We have, we see, we understand. Do we open our hearts or close our hearts? And do we help love in action? That's what it means to be a, a Christian, to do the things which, which Christians do. And it's a very challenging thing to all of us. It, it takes us into a, a dimension of loving that often we, we don't get near. Uh, we... We get as far as fine words, we say nice things, but what do we practically do in order to help and to care for one another? It's one of the things that was very real amongst the early Christians. You know, in Jerusalem, they, they shared the goods that they had, and uh, they met the needs of the widows and of others. And it was a characteristic of the church in Jerusalem. When Christians were being persecuted by the Romans, and some of them were in the arena, and the, and the men protected the women, and the women protected the children. They said, look how these Christians love one another. Non-Christians only thought of themselves in that terrible situation. But the Christians' response was to care for one another. And it's a care which overflows. It isn't just exclusively for Christians. Paul says uh, in Galatians, that, uh, therefore let us do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. And Jesus asks us a question, if you love those who love you, what more do you do than others? Even the tax collectors and the sinners do that. If people love us, I love them. But no, his love was to those who were ungodly, who were those who were enemies. And that's what love is. That's the pattern of love seen in Jesus and to be reflected in our lives. And so just a few questions as I draw to a close. This verse asks us a question. Is the love of God living in us? Do we love him truly? Have we experienced his love? And is his love working out in our lives? That's what John's aim is, that these Christians should love one another. He said it's the message which we heard from the beginning. It's fundamental. It's foundational. The love of God in Christ, our love for him, and our love for one another. And how are we expressing that love in our daily lives towards one another? Is it a characteristic of our fellowship together as God's people? If the love is in our heart, it will inevitably overflow to others. And do we show love to particular people to individual people. Uh, John puts it in, in the singular. If you see your brother in need or your sister in need. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, it's easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women 
especially those who are uninteresting, exasperating, depraved, or otherwise unattractive. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. You know, people say, I love everybody. I'm here to help the world. Well, the question is, what about when you see someone and they're in need? Do you help them? And they're not necessarily the people you would choose to help. They're not people necessarily like you. But they're a brother or sister in Christ. They're a fellow human being. And you have, and you see, and you know they've got a need and you can help. Do you open your heart or do you close your heart? And another question, what is the quality of our church fellowship? Is it all embracing? Does it embrace all kinds of people? Or is it selective? We choose whom we love. Do we really love each other with love, compassion, care, and practical help? What's our standard? Well, sometimes we say, well, our standard is we're, we're as loving as other churches. Maybe. But are we loving in the same way that a dying saviour loved us. That's the measure. It's not, are we pleasing those we love, but are we pleasing him who loved us and gave himself for us? It's a very strong challenge, a big challenge. John says, there's no doubt about what love is. That one, on our behalf, his life laid down. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What a testimony that is to the world around us. It's part of our witness to the gospel. It's part of our evangelism. It's part of what shows us to be authentic Christians. And not only loving one another, but do we love the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Are we sacrificially committed to evangelism? Do we pray every day, Lord, help me to, to show kindness, to show care to someone, perhaps to have an opportunity to share the gospel with them? Are we committed to taking the gospel to the nations, you know, we, we've heard about uh, uh, vaccination nationalism, you know, holding on to the, the vaccines we've got and not sharing with anybody else. Well, well, Christians want to share the gospel with the world. It's interesting, isn't it? The two ladies who've gone from our church to serve in mission are both involved in practical ministries. Becca is, is working uh, in the hospital in Chiwoko, the people come with all kinds of needs. I was speaking to her this week, and there are, there are 50 children, 50 babies in her unit, and one of them just 1.4 kilograms in weight. And the mothers come, and Chiwoko is a place that they, they find a refuge in their need. Why do they come? Well, to find help. Uh, we treat... Jesus heals. It's a testimony to the gospel there in rural Uganda. Paula, going out to work with street children, children living on the streets in desperate need, and then working with the prisoners 
in the prisons. You see how the, it's a practical ministry. And that's often how the gospel is made known. And we love to hear from Becker and from Paula, of people who've come to faith. What have they experienced? They've experienced the love of God's people before ever they knew the Saviour. And through that means, they come to know him. So there's great encouragement in this verse, isn't there? As we think about the love of God for us. And there's also that great challenge uh, that we should seek to follow in his steps and to love others, to love one another as he has loved us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth.